This is Coon Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted to be joined by via Zoom, Mr. Gareth A. Davies. How are you, Gareth? I'm very well, thanks, Coogan. I think the last time we spoke on here, uh, we've had a few text exchanges, but it was two months ago. It's been a long two months. Do you think? I think that it's two months has gone pretty quickly. Well, it's timeless, isn't it? I mean, it, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite strange. I mean, it's, you know, and I don't know. I think we can not expect boxing for about another seven or eight weeks as well. So it's going to be a long old period, this, in my view. But yeah, it's gone quickly in some ways. But in other ways, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's ground to a halt at times. Different days have gone different ways for me. So the government has announced as a lead on from yesterday's speech from Boris Johnson that there is a potential for sport to return um, no earlier than the 1st of June behind closed doors, which is significant, obviously, to boxing, isn't it? That there is a possibility of, I mean, what notably Eddie Hearn's been talking about for the last few weeks could possibly be happening uh, at some point after the 1st of June. Yeah, I mean, it could happen after the 1st of June, but um, having spoken to Robert Smith to Dave and just to cover it within the Telegraph, um, he's saying that they're still looking at mid-July because it's not like football, because it's mainly for football coming back. That's the big one, isn't it? You know, um, For the Premier League to get their season finished, they've got to look at um, boxing has, how gyms open, um, how... Um, they do the testing procedure going into it, whether people are going to have to be quarantined in a hotel in advance of for testing, um, and particularly people being cleared for testing, for sparring, because um, fighters are going to have to train and go into a camp of some sorts before fighting. They can't just turn up and fight having not, you know, that's Robert's argument anyway, that having not done anything for, for almost three and a half months by the time <clears throat> mid-July comes. But they're still looking at a mid-July date with behind closed doors at certain venues that are sealed off, potentially using a hotel, uh, which only the people taking part in the event will be staying at. So it, it, it's a much more complex structure for boxing to come back and and i'm sure you've done the same i've spoken to frank warren i haven't spoken to frank smith about this already but it's they're not coming back to make money in boxing they're just coming back to bring it alive again um in many ways in july but is your understanding that eddie's going to try and do it before that no um i was just uh, obviously referring to the points that they had outlined regarding sport in general obviously we're talking about boxing, but I think Eddie's plan is to come back in July. I don't think anything will happen um, in June. We know top rank are looking to put on shows in America. That's a different situation, obviously, to over here. But uh, Bob Aram, obviously, is looking to put on uh, events in a ballroom in venues around Las Vegas uh, in, in June. But, yeah, as you said, I think the earliest and best we can hope for is some sort of boxing to return in the UK in July at some point. And, and also, just not, sorry to interrupt, but also Showtime Boxing, because my contacts are Bellator, in mid-July uh, through August, they're looking to do a weekly event on the CBS uh, lot in Los Angeles 
Uh, Bellator are going to try and catch up with their six events in mid-July all the way through, through August that they will have missed on a Friday night. This is the plan at the moment. And Showtime, uh, my understanding is, will look to go on the Saturday night in the same venue in the, in the TV lot. So they use that venue as an in-studio type setup for MMA on a Friday night with Bellator and, and Showtime, Showtime shows unboxing on a Saturday night. So it looks to me like by mid-July, both sides of the pond will be moving again. You know, again, small shows, but Bellator are looking to do, even bring their entire London card that was supposed to take place this weekend coming to America, but they might have to quarantine the entire card for two weeks in a hotel going into that. Um, if they can get them over there, you know, so everyone's moving at least and they're being, you know, moving mindset creative, which is really good. The return of the UFC over the weekend was, was a positive step in the right direction. Uh, grab the headlines because of the, the fighter that tested positive for, for COVID-19. But Gareth, in 1,200 tests, which was the reported number of tests that centred around that event, chances are somebody was going to test positive. It just yeah. happened to be one of the fighters in one of the main fights. But if it was someone else, it probably wouldn't have reached as much much attention. But, um, I mean, that's not a major surprise that someone tested positive out of 1,200. It's not a major surprise. It was... Um, a Brazilian, <clears throat> brilliant Brazilian fighter called Jacare Souza, a UFC middleweight, for, um, and two of his cornermen. As you say, 1,200 tests on 300 people there were. So, and that was everyone included, staff, media, TV crews, medical crews, all the fighters, 24 of them, of course. They go ahead, of course, on Wednesday and Saturday this week with two more events in the same venue. Um, no, it wasn't a surprise, but I think... You know, we were all watching it as well to, to see what we could learn from it. It did feel normal in a weird way. A degree of normality had returned with having an event back. That was an amazing weekend in that, in that respect. You know, I did a radio show for Talk Sport. And then as I do sometimes with MMA events when I can't get there as well, found myself covering that over the weekend. And it felt like a normal weekend. In fact, I was exhausted by the end of the weekend. But um, yeah, you are going to have fighters testing positive. I'm glad they didn't call the event off as a result. I thought they rushed into it a little bit because, again, I think what a lot of people will have learned from that is let's get people into quarantine first and then have the event, not just quarantine for three days in a sealed-off environment. Let's really test them before they come into it. I think that's certainly one way uh, of doing it. It's a bit like the Bundesliga last weekend. They were about to start. They got 10 positive tests. So they, they've rescheduled it for later in the month, haven't they? Um, there was a lot to learn. It was good to see them back. They had a message from Donald Trump saying thanks for getting sport moving again. Um, it was a great card. Um, there was a bit of um, kind of... Uh, it wasn't completely synergistic in that the, the referees and, and the fighters and the in octagon interviewer joe rogan didn't wear masks um the commentary team socially distanced obviously weren't wearing masks they were commentating yet when they sold the pay-per-view the three of them were standing together dana white the president of the ufc didn't wear a mask and people were fist bumping and all sorts i think the ramifications of that event in terms of 
if Jacare Souza spread the, the coronavirus to a lot of other people during the event, will be discovered in the next two or three weeks, as, as we are finding out with everything, like Boris Johnson's announcements of easing it and everyone asking their own questions as it pertains to them, because I think we've been given the rules now, it's been left in our hands. We'll find out whether there's going to be a second spike as a result. I mean, one of the big questions I've been asking myself and even my editors today was, now, if that's allowed now, can I go out and socially distance from people I want to interview, but can I go and interview boxers and Eddie Hearn, who's a little way away, or Frank Warren, who's a little way away? Can I socially distance from them, but can I go and interview them in person now? And that, that's not clear yet. Do you know what I mean? It's certainly not clear for various different fields, um, especially in what we do. Um, mm. You're right, effectively, if you can go and meet another person from a household. So, for example, if you were to meet Eddie Hearn in a park tomorrow and you kept two metres away, are you allowed to interview him? It's, it's a good point. Well, I am, and he and I are doing, a, I think we're doing a 90-minute interview tomorrow, two metres apart. Lovely. Look forward to that one. No, you look jealous, don't you? No, because I've already done mine today. <laughs> no, I didn't really. I, 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 didn't I, really. I, I can't get hold of him. Listen, the biggest, one of the biggest disappointments of the lockdown has been Eddie Hearn, yeah? He's like sitting at home, playing with his little toys on the internet, his new little shows. He was pathetic on the workouts with Sky. Couldn't even lift those weights, yeah? He's on there jabbering away with Tony Bellew and Dillian White and the UFC guys. He's on there with Ariel and he's on there with Michael Bisping. He's like sitting home playing with all his internet toys like a kid at Christmas. Barry's doing all the work. I I, you know, again, one of the biggest disappointments of the lockdown, forget Tony Bellew on SAS Celebrity Challenge. We should have had Eddie on it. Eddie on SAS Celebrity Challenge would have been more fun. We know Tony's a lunatic, yeah? And, you know, and, and he's kind of working through things after his career's over. They should have got Eddie Hearn on that. Give him something to do. I will echo your thoughts there, Gareth. And I'm sure once he sees this interview, I'm sure you're going to get a call. Um, <laughs> Gareth, let's, let's talk a little bit about boxing now. Um, obviously, over the last seven or eight weeks, um, there hasn't been much to talk about, but we'll kind of pick out some of the highlights about what's going on. Uh, first of all, um, a surge of over 50 retired fighters uh, potentially making comebacks, whether that's to what capacity, I don't know, exhibition, etc. But, I mean, it started with Tyson and then Evander Holyfield. Now, James Tony's come out and said that uh, he'll chuck his name into the mix. I think Oliver McCall was making comments the other day. Gareth, break that down for me. Well, you haven't mentioned John Fury there as well, of course, and Mickey Theo. Are you you're still promoting that fight or not? Well, the fight seems to have come to... Uh, a bit of a halt, so there's nothing really to talk about. So is that why John Fury was so annoyed the other day on his video? Because it on his on his video um, kind of sermon because because the Mickey Theo fight has collapsed. I mean, look if you if you count all those guys, uh, look the the pandemic lockdown has caused a lot of fantasy fight making, and you know it's also given us a chance to do a lot of nostalgia. There've been some great anniversary dates 
like Hagler Hearns, there was the anniversary of that. So we were all looking back on that and, you know, some great fights in the past, you know, people looking back on Jose Luis Castillo and Floyd Mayweather, picking apart things from arguably about the last 20, 30, 40 years. Um, let's be real about it. Um, and I think Mike Tyson has poured water on it himself. It's not just me saying this, but, you know, he's been away 20 years. He, he was very much at the end when he fought last. It's lovely to see him making shapes again. It's just a reminder of the nostalgia that we can feel when we see him make those shapes and remember what he was. Um, an exhibition bout between Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson as a trilogy fight with a fake bit of ear on Evander Holyfield flipping off during the contest when they go head to head. Um, them doing a bit of body sparring, I think would raise an enormous amount of money for charity. Um, I don't want to see John Fury in a ring with Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield and, and um, who was the other one? James Tony. Of course, 92 fights he had. Um, you know, he was way past his best. When I saw him fight in an MMA fight with Randy Couture years ago, uh, I think it was in Boston or somewhere in Massachusetts, no, it's just fun while we're locked down. Um, real, genuine fights? No, because I think Evander and Mike Tyson are friends now. Um, Gypsy John Fury is great value. I mean, he is wonderful value. And, and I don't doubt that he's prepared to go and fight any other over 50, you know, in an Olympic-style tournament, you know, where they've all got... They'd have to make them three-round berserker fights, I think, anyway. Um, with a bonus for knockouts. We definitely get knockouts in those fights. Um, but the reality of anything outside John Fury and Mickey Theo as an exhibition bout or a charity fight, and the same with the other guys, um, that's it for me. That's where we draw the line. They won't get licenses to box anyway. I mean, I, I asked Robert Smith about this, and he closed it down in one sentence. No, we wouldn't even think about it as licensed. So... Um, it's been a bit of fun. People will probably poo-poo me and say what are you on about, but there's a reason why guys retire, and there's a reasons why they there's a reason why they stay retired. It's just nostalgia that we're dreaming of. Because if there were fights going on right now, we wouldn't be worrying about this at all. It would just be a sideshow. I mean, what do you think? You know, what, what do well, you? Well, you know, look, I I think that if they're coming back in an exhibition style format and whoever it may be, there's some money raised for charity, and it is an exhibition-style format. I don't see a massive problem with it, but if these, whoever it may be, Tyson, whoever, are coming back to professionally compete against, not even modern-day athletes, but even on a professional capacity, uh, probably not, it's not advisable. But if they're going to do it in that kind of context of exhibition borderline white collar uh then it's not it's not i don't see a massive problem in it if if there's a charity um uh a charity incentive to it etc but anything other than an exhibition stroke white collar situation then not really i agree with you i agree with you you asked me about the lockdown and other boxing going on you've got your questions but for me the lineal king of lockdown there's two of them um, well, the lineal king of lockdown is definitely Joseph Parker. Parker. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, you know, um, reenacting Anchorman. It's actually, it's actually Joseph Parker's editor, because he actually said the other day on an interview and said that obviously he's the star of these shows, but the the people 
behind putting that production together need a lot of credit as well because it's very well put together. Yeah, it is. I mean, my favourite one was the Neighbours one where the toilet roll went over the wall and into the swimming pool. That was just... I, I, I ended up just watching it over and over again. I mean, you know, it is wonderful to see his... He's a wonderful guy, Joseph Parker, and he really showed that in these uh, in these videos. I've lost track, by the way, as Paris divorced Tyson from the workouts in the mornings now. No, they were doing it this morning, sharp, 9am. Oh, were they? They've kept it going. Yeah, I mean, I don't, um, I, I don't indulge. I think she was missing from one of them. I think it might have been yesterday or the day before. Paris was not involved in one of them, I believe. Or when I looked on it, she wasn't there. But she was back with him today. Um, Gareth, let's talk about how we believe the heavyweight landscape will kind of shape itself by the end of 2020. So we understand that Pulev Joshua, first of all, um, I think Pulev's management have come out today and said they've got three weeks to finalise a venue. Bob Arum said that Fury and Wilder uh, three is likely to take place October stroke November. There's plenty of talk about all these fights not happening and AJ and, and Joshua happening this year, which I'm sure you'll agree I don't see that happening this year. So what do you how do you piece all them pieces together? Well I think we'll still have the same fights and I think and I always thought that. I mean I, I mean, you know, again um, don't want to over-criticise Eddie Hearn on this, but one minute he was saying one thing and, one, and another minute he was saying another. I thought he was doing too many internet games with us, you know. I mean, I've always felt that, for me, there's no way that wild, if I was Wilder, I'd take step-aside money. There's no way on earth if I've got a contract to fight Tyson Fury again that I'd step aside because you've got a chance to put the record straight, regardless of what anyone says about his performance in the second fight, regardless about the, him being written off in the third fight, don't underestimate these guys. He's still an elite fighter. Things go wrong for Tyson Fury in fight week. Deontay Wilder could have, you know, he could all have, have the baubles back, you know, or the, or the WBC bauble. There's every chance of him doing that. Um, don't write him off in the third fight. It's a fascinating prospect. There's, I never thought that he would take step aside. Certainly, even for $10 million step aside, which is not a bad handout when you don't have to go and get beaten up and go into camp and all those things. But if Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua fought and Tyson earned $50 million or 40 million pounds from a fight with Anthony Joshua, Wilder's legacy is ruined by that because, or he's risking it because Fury could just walk away at that point and he's just, he's claimed the whole era. So the chess game doesn't work for Deontay Wilde to say no. So I think Dillian White still fights Povetkin or even Parker if that comes off because there's been a lot of heat between them. You know, Dillian's been running his mouth about everyone really. Uh, Andy Ruiz and, um, you know, and, and Joseph Parker setting up fights for himself cleverly by slagging these guys off and getting them to... To, to respond. Um, so I, I think there's a bunch of fights there that I want to see Dillian White take part in. I'd love to see a Parker rematch, by the way, because that, that was one of my favourite fights of last year. It was really entertaining, wasn't it? You were there. It was brilliant. It was brilliant to the end. I, I, was, I was talking to Dillian White last night, actually, on uh, Instagram Live, and I said to him, 
you know, quite a few of the fights that you've had over the last sort of four years, I wouldn't mind seeing again. I yeah. would love to see him and Joshua again. I'll be honest with you, if him and Chisora was back on the table for a third fight, I'd watch that again. Him against Parker, 100%. Um, yeah. Bob Arum made a good point recently about all this talk of a step-aside fee or whatever you want to call it for Wilder. Where's the money coming from? Who's actually going to pay Deontay Wilder to step aside? We obviously know there's a lot of people and uh, promoters and, and management companies, MTK, obviously involved in that fight happening. But who's actually going to pay that money for Wilder to step aside? Well, the only... The trouble is a lot of people write these stories on the internet just from based on a comment and say this has happened when a lot of the guys who we speak to, Bob Arum, MTK Global, um, Frank Warren, Eddie Hearn, um, Shelley Finkel, Jay Diaz, all these guys, they only posit an idea and then it gets turned into on a podcast or to someone and then it gets turned into a bona fide story. Now we know what's happening in the industry. The only way conceivably, and I think Bob Arum kind of touched on this, he did an interview with you a few days ago, he, he just touched on it in terms of, it is possible to talk about Anthony, <clears throat> excuse me, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury fighting each other, but it's, it's, it's a future business deal based on a venue like a Saudi Arabia, a Jeddah, who wants to come up with a site fee of 150 million, let's say, to make the fight happen there regardless of how big the audience is, then it's possible to posit those kind of arguments. But even he was saying, we're only talking about that in the event of this and this happening, i.e. Joshua beating Pulev and Fury beating Wilder. So that's all it is. It's people making plans for the future. And that's all that's going on right now. It's very, very unlikely, as I say again, that Wilder will step aside. And if there was a big site fee like that, and Saudi said, we want Joshua and Fury. That's the only way that Deontay Wilder could get that kind of fee. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely spot on there. One of the things I didn't agree with on lockdown, and I, this might have come from Eddie Hearn's show with Tony Bellew, is Tony Bellew saying he'd do Andy Ruiz. Not a chance in hell. Not a chance in in hell. Sorry, Tony, you are dreaming. You can make a headline of that. Tony's going to be sending me messages on WhatsApp overnight now. There's no way he beats Andy Ruiz. Absolutely no way. You know? It's a bit like I had Johnny Nelson on... Do you, come on, Tony Belly doesn't beat Andy Ruiz, does he? I don't know, doesn't he? No. Um, no. Not, not, not even remotely. He's not even a heavyweight. Yeah. Um, here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's what I, I had Johnny Nelson on Talk Sport on Saturday night, and I threw at Johnny, David Hay, Alexander Usyk, Tony Bellew, and Evander Holyfield. Yeah. Right. Um, and Johnny Nelson stops Tony Bellew. He stops David Hay. He stops Alexander Usyk but he gets stopped by Evander Holyfield. That was his verdict on them all. Yeah, I bet Discuss. it was. I bet it was. Um, <laughs> I was talking to Johnny about this the other day and he was talking about what would happen in a fight between, between him and Enzo Macronelli. And, uh, oh, he'd have beaten Enzo. 
Yeah, he was adamant. I said to him, uh, I wasn't sure whether he would have beaten Enzo. And he, uh, well, remember, he, he was slated to fight Enzo on the undercard of yeah. uh, Calzaghi Lacey in Manchester, mm. uh, but he had an injury. But he wanted to fight Marco Huckram, but I know, you've got to go. Listen, I wanted to give you some headlines today. You've got three or four of them you've there. You've given anyway. me a few headlines there today, so I uh, appreciate your time, uh, Gareth. caused a bit of trouble for myself, I think, but never mind. That's all right. I think They know it's all in good fun anyway. Some, some do, Gareth, some don't, but hey, that's the business. Gareth Davies, thank you very much for talking to uh, IFL TV and we'll definitely catch up with you uh, sooner rather than later. Cheers, my friend. Thank you, mate.